0: Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's the BettingTheBook.com's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, August 13th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, B-T-B, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Daily Picks and Tips article on the regular over at bangthebook.com. We're also covering the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs. We're covering golf, UFC, NASCAR. Big UFC fight here this weekend, Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. The third fight, the third and final fight in that trilogy. Full card breakdown and analysis of UFC 252. That went up yesterday over at the website. We got a lot of stuff going on. Make sure you head on over there and check it all out. And of course, too, hopefully we'll have the NFL going on here. It seems like they should have the right plan to play, the right protocols in place after seeing what all of these other professional leagues are doing. If we do get that NFL season, there will be a very big overlay in the Circa Sports Million out in Las Vegas, and you'll have a much better chance than usual at the Westgate Super Contest as well. Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. They've been our proxy service here for the last several years in the Super Contest, added the Circa uh, over the last couple of years here. They have, or last year, I guess I should say, they've done an outstanding job for us putting in our picks. If you live outside of the state of Nevada, you will have to have a proxy put in your selections for you. Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com are definitely our preferred proxy service. And once you experience the great work that they do, they will be your proxy service as well. So let Matty and Tony over at footballcontest.com, let them know we sent you, and good luck this season with those football contests. All right, so we'll start here on the betters box with a look beyond the box score. We'll talk about some down-the-line stuff and update some betting odds movement from the past few days here. Give you a pick for Thursday night and then preview five series coming up for this weekend around the major leagues. The first big story, no, it's not the fact that I finally had a winning night with the Daily Picks and Tips piece last night. It's the fact that offense has finally spiked here around the league. Over the last seven days, 251 average, 328 on base, 438 slugging percentage, a 331 weighted on base average. Strikeout percentage is down over the last seven days. Walk rate is down a little bit, but still above 9%. Strikeout percentage down below 23% here uh, over the last seven days. And, you know, I don't necessarily know why. I mean, it could be regression to the mean. The fact that we've just had such an awful offensive start to this season, especially relative to some of the past seasons that we've had. Has there been another change in the baseballs? I don't know. At this point in time, I mean, Rob Manfred doesn't know what he's doing from day to day. I don't know what's going on with the baseballs from day to day. I would like to think they would use the same baseballs over the course of the season. But now that some of that information has gotten out, you had the breaking news about humidors being installed at three different ballparks here this year. Uh, you know, that was something that nobody knew about. That's at Fenway Park uh, the, at uh, City Field and also T-Mobile Park up in Seattle. Look, exit velocities are on the rise maybe hitters are settling, settling in a little bit, you know, maybe the hitters finally have their timing down. They're kind of getting into midseason form, so to speak, but also too, we've had a lot more pitchers, a lot more minor league call-ups, a lot more piggybacks and, you know, uh, openers and all these different types of things. There are a lot of bad pitchers circling the drain out there in major league baseball right now. We've got, you know, the new crop of very young, very exciting arms, But we've also got a lot of fringy dudes, a lot of guys going from double A to the major leagues, stuff like that. I can't remember who had the tweet earlier this week, but something like 60 or 65 pitchers were put on the injured list over the first two weeks of the season, and that was significantly higher than any other season. And obviously part of that is that you know guys that are hurt just kind of start the season on the IL coming out of spring training because you've got 162 games and so on and so forth but also too, you know, you had the weird lead up to the season here and a lot of pitcher injuries have handcuffed some of these teams. And when you look at, you know, the different number of pitchers that have gotten starts and all these kinds of things here already very early on in the process, you can see why maybe offense is starting to spike a little bit because teams are having to tap in to those taxi squads because teams are having to do a lot of different things here at the outset of this season so you know again there are a lot of potential explanations I don't know exactly what the correct explanation is it's probably you know kind of a little bit of everything but the fact of the matter is that offense has gotten stronger here over the last seven days there had been a lot of unders a lot of first five unders early on in the season here but maybe that paradigm shifts a little bit maybe it doesn't maybe it's just a blip on the radar But I guess we'll just have to see what kind of happens here as we go forward. Something else that has had a big impact on scoring, not just the weird lead up to the season and the different baseball, shifting. Teams are shifting a lot more. Not just the infield shifts against left-handed batters, but also more pronounced outfield shifting and more shifts around the infield with right-handed batters as well. And according to baseball savant, the home of Statcast data uh, out there on the interwebs. Infield shifts have taken place on thirty-three point four percent of pitches this season. Last year, that number was twenty-six point two percent. When you talk about the number of pitches thrown in a season, even in this smaller sample size right now, that is a massive, enormous, very, you know, uh, very significant increase in infield shifts over seven percent more pitches with an infield shift and when we talk about platoon splits and I've harped on this a lot because platoon splits are something that I use a lot in my handicapping the fact that left-handed batters have done so poorly against right-handed pitchers this season so much more poorly than they have done in the past shifts are playing a big role in that I think And we can kind of see that bearing out here with the data, with the fact that shifting has increased rather dramatically around the league. Also, defense is better league-wide. There was a big jump in defense across the league from 2018 to 2019, and that has continued into 2020. Now, I am cherry-picking a little bit here, just using defensive runs saved as a metric, but the league defensive runs saved in 2017 was minus 26. In 2018 it was minus 10. In 2011 or 2019, excuse me, it was plus 11 and here in 2020 so far plus 26. And we're talking about, you know, defensive runs saved minus 226 in 2013, minus 131 in 2015. So the advent of statcast data and all of the different analysts that these teams have employed has led to a massive shift in defense, in shifting, in defensive preparation, in knowing where to position your fielders. A lot of different factors have gone into this, but defense league-wide is being played about as well as it has ever been played. And with more information comes the opportunity to adjust. So when you look at this 2020 season here with a debtor baseball with increased shifting, with better defense across the board, with the quirky lead up to the season, you can see why there has been this perfect storm effect to cut down on offense. Maybe we're seeing that kind of shift a little bit. Maybe we're not. And this is something that Major League Baseball needs to take a look at going into 2021. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that fastball usage is below 50% for the first time ever. So, There are a lot of things here taking away from offense around baseball. So I'll monitor this. I'll watch this. I think the last seven days is more of an anomaly here than anything else for this season. But of course, again, with so many pitcher injuries and teams having to do different things, we'll have to see how things kind of play out going forward. However, one caveat I will throw on this, and maybe offense will be a little bit better throughout the rest of the season is that now we've got quite a few examples of teams facing pitchers for a second or maybe a third time. Now I've told you this before, and I will continue to tell you this team versus pitcher stats are not statistically significant. However, a case can be made for familiarity between the hitters and the pitchers remembering sequences. You know, these guys have memories like elephants, you know, they, they know how the guy's pitches are going to move. They know how he pitched him the previous time. The stats in and of themselves, by definition, are not significant. They are subject to extreme variance. However, because these teams have a better feel for these pitchers, maybe that's helped offense out a little bit. Now, of course, you can look at that on the flip side too and say, well, that pitcher is more familiar with that team now. He remembers which pitches got those hitters out, remembers which pitches induced weak contact all those types of things so maybe hitters have adjusted to that element seeing pitchers for a second or third time but again you know this is the unending chase with major league baseball not just this season but across all seasons and it's a little bit different now with the additional familiarity facing the same team you know for one sixth of your season as opposed to 19 of your 162 games so There is that element in play here, but again, I guess the big takeaway is that offense is up a little bit. However, I'm not entirely certain that will be the case. One thing that is worth pointing out here is that there are 10 teams in Major League Baseball right now with a walk percentage above 10%. So they've walked over 10% of the time in their plate appearances, Those teams are Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Oakland, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, the Angels, Houston, the Cubs, New York, Yankees, and San Diego. So 10 teams have a walk rate north of 10% this year. Last season for the full year, two teams had a walk percentage over 10%. They were the Astros and the Brewers. So as we go forward here, These teams with really high walk rates, some of them are definitely going to regress to the mean. Now, the question is, will that impact their offense as a whole? Because one of the things about walking is that you're seeing a lot of pitches, you're hitting in a lot of deep counts. When you hit in deep counts, your contact quality goes down because you have to protect the strike zone. You have to swing at some pitchers that maybe you otherwise wouldn't. So when you're drawing a lot of walks or a team with a lot of strikeouts sometimes it can negatively impact your batting average on balls in play simply because contact quality goes down the deeper you get into a plate appearance because you're generally seeing more breaking balls and stuff like that. So for these teams here that have walked a lot at the outset, some of them have great offensive numbers across the board. Some of them do not because some of them just don't have the contact quality metrics to support a league average, batting average on balls in play, to support a high slugging percentage, stuff like that. So we'll see what happens here as we go forward. But again, there are 10 teams with a walk rate over 10%. There were only two for the full season last year. So I do think that those walk rates will kind of stabilize a little bit here as we go forward. Finally, one more thing from this weekend, or from this morning, excuse me. Fangraphs has added StatCast metrics. And obviously for the masses, that's a good thing. You can have more mainstream acceptance of some of those stat cast numbers like barrels, like exit velocity, all those types of things. To me, it's a bummer. It's, it's a disappointing development for me when I've already had a lot of those here throughout the month of August, but also throughout this season with you know the different baseball and humidors and all these types of things. One of the things I felt like I was good at was finding edges using the Baseball Savant data from StatCast. Now, everybody gets it at Fangraphs, and everybody could have gotten it previously because Baseball Savant is free, but most people didn't know how to use the website, didn't dig that deep into it. Now it's sitting right there for everybody at Fangraphs. So again, for the baseball community as a whole, this is probably a positive thing. For me, I felt like one of my edges was being able to dig into the contact management numbers. And now they're there for everybody right there on the Fangraphs page. And now they're going to be a lot easier for people to scrape as well. Because when you look at the modeling crowd, the reason why Fangraphs is really, really popular is because of the formatting of the data. It's all in tables. It's easy to export and then import into your spreadsheet. It's very easy to scrape that data. With StatCast, with Baseball Savant specifically, it wasn't nearly as easy to scrape that data. Now, it's extremely simple. So now the modeling and the quant crowd, if they want to, can easily integrate these contact management metrics into their models, into their spreadsheets. So that probably takes away another you know, potential edge that I had. So that's a very disappointing and frustrating development here for this morning. Uh, You know, it is what it is. I'll just kind of have to deal with it. But there may be some more line moves predicated on some of this contact management data. Now, uh, again, you know, I I don't think it's something that helps me a whole lot. I don't know how much it hurts me. But in any event, now that data is a lot more accessible for a lot of people and everyone will appreciate that. Uh, But for me, selfishly, I think it's a little bit of a loss. Uh, for my handicapping and, and probably for the content that I provide as well because now that stuff's all right there on Fangraphs, uh, as opposed to me you know pulling it from a different source we take a look at a couple of series here that just wrapped up and the Angels took two out of three from the A's and you know the Mike Fires home road splits once again on display gave up three home runs in his I believe three innings in this series but Angel Stadium played very small in this series There were 15 home runs hit across the three games. Now, there was a park element change last year. The high wall in right center field was changed. The wall is still high. They didn't change the structural integrity of the ballpark, but they put a wall in front of the high wall. So it did alter power to right center field a little bit, but this was a series that was all about offense with those 15 home runs. So I thought that was pretty interesting also a lot of walks in this series and specifically a lot of walks from the Angels bullpen. There are 15 bullpens in Major League Baseball right now with a walk percentage over 10%. Cubs and Rangers are the highest at 13.7. The Pirates are next at 13.2. Mariners 13.1. Astros and Reds 13. Jays 12. So that's a lot of teams with a walk rate of 12% or higher. So bullpens are kind of creating their own problems here. That may be something we want to watch as we go forward as well. Something that may impact the offense and the run scoring that I previously mentioned. But otherwise, in this Angels and A's series here, you know, Sean Manaya was not sharp. Mike Fires was not sharp. Chris Bassett was not sharp. Uh, Dylan Bundy was really the only starting pitcher who looked good in this series. The Angels need to find some starting pitching. And the A's, I mean, look, Jesus Lazardo is great. Chris Bassett is generally very good. Fires is serviceable at home. Uh, Mania, he just doesn't look healthy. Something's not right there. But the A's need to find some starting pitching themselves as well. And at this point in time, I believe we're a week and a half away from the trade deadline or something like that. So, you know, I don't know who's going to be a buyer and who's going to be a seller, who's going to be available, uh, who's going to be made available, how teams will scout, you know, some of the guys at the alternate training sites and stuff like that. But these are two teams that could use some starting pitching, and we'll see what that starting pitching market winds up looking like for the trade deadline. The Diamondbacks took two out of three from the Rockies at Coors Field. All three games going over the total. The middle game needed 11 runs in the bottom of the eighth and the top of the ninth to get over. Uh, The game yesterday went over without much of a problem. But Arizona all of a sudden here, and this is the Coors Field effect and the impact it can have on small sample sizes, All of a sudden, they're 22nd and weighted on base average. Now, they were a bottom three offense for a while, for the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, But now with this big offensive showing at Coors Field, they wind up moving up the charts in that capacity. They are still third in platoon percentage. And Coors Field does fix a lot of ills. However, I've talked about this. I've talked about platoon splits and the impacts and all these kinds of things. The top five teams in platoon percentage which is percentage of plate appearances with a left-handed batter against a right-handed pitcher or a right-handed batter against a left-handed pitcher the top five teams in platoon percentage plate appearances cleveland pittsburgh arizona milwaukee and san francisco generally speaking the best split out there has been left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers and i just talked about that a lot with the increase in shifts and all these types of things Generally speaking, though, lefties versus right-handed pitchers has been the best offensive split. When you look at these five teams, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Milwaukee, and San Francisco, their numbers in left-handed batters versus right-handed pitcher splits are by and large terrible. The Indians are batting 184. They have the highest platoon percentage, by the way. These are ranked by platoon percentage. The Indians, 184 average, 315 on base, 269 slugging percentage which is embarrassingly low pirates 169 average 229 on base 295 slugging Arizona 234 297 380 the Coors series dramatically helping with that Milwaukee 166 274 300 San Francisco 217 293 311 so again that is traditionally the best offensive split and the top five teams with the most lefty versus righty plate appearances have done awful. When you look at the top teams in righty versus righty plate appearances, the Yankees, Toronto, Houston, Oakland, the Dodgers, New York, 261 average, 349 on base, 481 slugging, Toronto, 261, 311, 460, 460. Houston 230 337 368 Oakland 228 326 402 Dodgers 267 343 473 now this is an anomalous year for platoon splits maybe the shifts are a factor maybe playing time and reps are a factor something like that but if this is a trend going forward and it very well could be this will widen the gap between the haves and the have-nots financially when you look at the teams that are top five in platoon percentage the indians low payroll pirates low payroll diamondbacks did spend some money on pitching but traditionally a lower payroll brewers small market lower payroll giants Lower payroll because they don't have money to spend with Buster Posey and some of their other guys taking up a lot of money, but they've kind of tried to save costs wherever they can. The teams with all the righty-righty plate appearances, Oakland being the exception, Yankees, big payroll. Toronto can carry a big payroll and will, as their young hitters, graduate to higher salaries. Houston, big payroll. Dodgers, big payroll. So what we're seeing here this year is that you just want the best hitters. You don't give a shit if they bat right-handed or left-handed. You just want the best hitters. The teams that have to cobble this together by trying to find these platoon split guys and stuff like that, they are struggling. And again, I don't know if this is a one-year trend or something like that, but these top teams in platoon percentage are not having success. And this may be a betting angle. You know, we took the in or we took the Cubs against the Indians yesterday for the first five with Kyle Hendricks. Their lefties didn't do anything off the righty. We've got a first five under today, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. The Pirates with their lefties against Anthony D. may not do much. The Brewers, they're not doing much in these platoon splits. This may continue. So maybe this is a betting angle that we can look to exploit where usually you want left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers and so far this year you don't and we'll see how long that winds up continuing finally the Rays they're going for a sweep of the Red Sox here today they scored 25 runs in the first three games of this series they've drawn 16 walks off of Boston pitching they scored 16 runs in the first two games of this series and only hit one home run they scored nine runs and hit four homers yesterday. But Tampa Bay's offense has gotten this thing going. And this is always going to be the case with Tampa Bay. They will hit on the road. They will struggle to hit at home because everybody struggles to hit at Tropicana Field. The Red Sox are down to 6-12. and They play the Yankees this weekend for four games in a wraparound series. If they lose again today, and they are a big underdog, and they get battered by the Yankees. They could very well be... You know 6 and 17 7 and 16 something like that you wonder about their investment and engagement level and I wish I would have been following through with this a little bit more because I talked about this maybe a week or two ago about maybe how it's a good time to fade the Red Sox maybe this is a good season to fade Boston for a variety of different reasons well they've lost twice as many games as they've won now and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better so Maybe what we're seeing here is an opportunity to play against the Red Sox, and maybe now is a good time to play on the Tampa Bay Rays. The offense has gotten going. Blake Snell looked like himself for five innings yesterday. The primary relievers for the Rays are starting to stabilize a little bit. They do have some pitching injuries, Yanni Chirinos, Charlie Morton, but they've got arms for days. Jalen Beeks is a great bulk guy. Trevor Richards was a fine pickup last year from the Marlins. I think it's time to play on the Rays, and maybe the market already senses that with some bigger numbers here in this series, and a big number today with Tyler Glass now on the Hill, but maybe that's it. Maybe we've got a play-on team in the Rays and a sell team in the Red Sox, and maybe this is just how it's going to be for those two teams the rest of the way here. So moving into the down the line segment, I'm just going to rattle off some bullet points here. A lot of moving parts with pitching changes and lineup changes and piggybacks and so on and so forth but one thing to take an eye, keep an eye on here and, and I missed out on a winner earlier in the week not playing Patrick Corbin against Steven Matz the Nationals are pummeling lefties again and they did the same thing last year and we're seeing some of these platoon split line moves in the marketplace Tigers against lefties um, Nationals against lefties Red Sox against lefties we saw one of those with Ryan Yarborough on Monday These are things that are happening out there, and again, for the most part, it's been against left-handed starters, so that is something you want to keep a close eye on here as we go forward is that some teams have been isolated as being good buys against left-handed pitchers, and you will see line moves as a result. We saw some pretty heavy Zach Wheeler money on Tuesday, and maybe that was just a fade of Baltimore, but I think that was also a buy of Wheeler, and Philadelphia here has been substantially better offensively than I expected. They lead the league in walk percentage, so they are one of those teams I would watch for if the walk rate goes down. Maybe some of their offensive fortunes go down too, but this is a team playing a ton of overs. They score a lot of runs. They give up a lot of runs, but Wheeler and Nola are two guys that can give them a good chance, and when you get good offenses like this with some front-of-the-rotation arms, those guys will get steamed. And that's what's happening here with NOLA and Weaver so far. So keep an eye out for that, where if you want to bet the Phillies in NOLA or Weaver games, you're probably going to want to do it early because money will come in on those two guys. We saw money here on the White Sox in their games against Tyler Alexander and Matt Boyd. I don't think it was necessarily a referendum on Alexander or Boyd. It could have been money on the White Sox against left-handed starters, But to me, I think it's just the return of Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson at the top of this order is a massive part of this offense. I think it was a modeling-based move where the quant crowd thought that the White Sox were undervalued and underpriced with Anderson back in the fold. And I do think that is true. And I do think the White Sox offense is a play-on unit right now with Tim Anderson back in the lineup for them. So, that massive fade of Mike Fires on the road and a buy of Dylan Bundy on Tuesday. Look, Dylan Bundy is going to be priced out here sooner rather than later because he's been so good, the market buying him a lot. The Mike Fires road fade will not stop, though. Whenever that Oakland right-hander is on the mound, money will come in against him on the road. So, if you want to fade Mike Fires on the road, you want to do it early and try to get out in front of that line move on Wednesday we saw a fade of Wade Miley and this is another one of those where it's a little bit of a cloudy picture was it a fade of Miley or was it a buy of the Royals and I can tell you that there have been several instances this season where the Royals have taken money the market does like them the market likes their offense the bullpen has been much better than I anticipated the market has been on the Royals quite a bit now again that could have just been a fade of Wade Miley and it's not surprising when Wade Miley fades happen, the market doesn't like him. But it seems like there's a sentiment out there that the Royals may be a little bit undervalued. So if you like the Royals or think you're going to like the Royals, maybe you want to hop in a little bit earlier rather than jumping in later and getting a little bit of a worse price. My pick for Thursday here, I'm taking the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's, it's dangerous to fade Chris Paddock However, there are a few things here. First of all, the line itself. You know, Paddock has been such a popular guy in the sharp segments of the market that I was a little bit surprised to see this line in the 135-140 range with the Dodgers a home favorite. I think this line does move down as we go throughout the day. But I like the Dodgers here. I took them in the article. Um, Look, Chris Paddock is struggling with his fastball command. He's given up a lot of hard contact so far. And Julio Urias for the Dodgers induces a ton of weak contact now maybe he doesn't have the strikeout and walk numbers that everybody expected when he was coming up through the minor leagues but he stays off the barrel he avoids hard contact and as I cited in my daily picks and tips piece today that Mike Petrello tweet from July 29th about the correlation between winning games and making hard contact and as I handicap this game I think the Dodgers will make a lot more hard contact than the Padres will. So I'm going to take that chance here tonight and take the Dodgers, minus 140. Five series to hit on here for the weekend. Red Sox-Yankees is the starting point. Nate Uvalde, Garrett Cole on Friday. Uh, we've got to be determined and James Paxton Saturday. Martin Perez, Jay Happ on Sunday Night Baseball. And then Zach Godley and Jordan Montgomery on Sunday. Jay Happ looked real bad in that doubleheader start against the Phillies. Remember, Red Sox have taken money against left-handed pitchers. They get Paxton, Hap, and Montgomery here. So the Yankees are going to be a big favorite in those games. The Yankees are going to get the respect that the Red Sox will not. But we probably will see line moves in those three games with people taking a shot on the Red Sox. Now, if the Red Sox take that money and have a bad series here, That's when we may see everybody sell their stock in Boston. And like I said, I think if they get trucked in this series, and they very well could, I think they pack it in and become a very clear auto fade as we move forward. Indians and Tigers. The Tigers have been playing much better than anybody anticipated, much better defensively than anybody anticipated as well. Aaron Savale, Ivan Nova Friday, Shane Bieber, Spencer Turnbull Saturday, Adam Plutko, and Mike Fulmer as an opener on Sunday. We'll see who winds up bulking behind Fulmer. If it's Funkhauser, I think Alexander's pretty much in the rotation now, uh, but we'll see what happens with that Sunday game with somebody piggybacking Fulmer. Three righties for a Tigers team that has crushed lefties. And, you know, we saw this when the Reds played the Tigers. Bauer carved them up. Uh, Castillo, for a little while, carved them up before he fatigued. A third time through the order. The Tigers have a lot of right handed bats in that lineup. CJ Crone is now out. He had been one of their best hitters to this point in time. The Indians have to get the offense going. I think the pitching will be good. I think the Indians will shut down the Tigers offense as they always do. But what does this Indians offense do? They've got to hit a guy like Ivan Nova. I don't think they hit Turnbull on Saturday. Maybe that's an under consideration, but they got to hit Ivan Nova on Friday. And if they don't, it's just another day of the Indians squandering those platoon advantages, squandering decent matchups against fastball-heavy right-handers like they had uh, you know, in that series against the Reds with a guy like Tyler Mayle or a guy like TJ Antone, and they didn't do it. So maybe the attack plan here in this series is playing team total unders on Detroit, specifically Friday and Saturday with Savale and Bieber. Not a huge Adam Pletko guy, but he's been pretty good here so far, so maybe Detroit team total unders in all three of these games could be an option. The Padres and the Diamondbacks play again here this weekend. Diddleson Lamont, Merrill Kelly Friday, Luis Perdomo to be determined for the Diamondbacks on Saturday with Madison Bumgarner now on the IL. Garrett Richards and Robbie Ray on Sunday. This is the third and final regular season meeting for these two teams. They will finish up games 8, 9, and 10, so this will be it playing each other. That's kind of an interesting little side note. The Diamondbacks offense has gotten going. The Padres have the better bullpen. The Padres have the upper hand with the starting pitching in this series as well. So we'll see what these prices wind up looking like. I'm going to fade Merrill Kelly tomorrow. I will play Denilson Lamont in that one. Kelly allows a lot of hard contact. He's gotten very lucky. Big ERA fifth discrepancy already. Going to be on the Padres tomorrow unless that price is something ridiculous. Uh, But other than that, we'll see how the rest of the series winds up looking. The Rangers and the Rockies here. The Rangers get to go to Coors Field, and you wonder if that will be the catalyst for their offense. They're a bottom five offense in just about every offensive category here so far. But now they get to go to Coors Field. Lance Lynn, Ryan Castellani in the first game. Kyle Gibson, Herman Marquez in the second one. Colby Allard and John Gray on Sunday. Castellani allowed a decent amount of hard contact against Seattle in his first Major League start. Marquez allowed a ton of hard contact against Seattle in his last start. So we'll see what those totals wind up looking like here for Friday and Saturday because you've got a very good pitcher in Lance Lynn going for the Rangers on Friday. Then you've got Marquez going on Saturday I'll be curious to see what happens with the totals for Friday and Saturday. But again, uh, you know, we'll see if the Rangers offense can get it going. Finally, last one here, the Battle of Los Angeles. Good Rage Against the Machine album and a good series here for this weekend as well. Clayton Kershaw, Patrick Sandoval on Friday. Walker Bueller, Andrew Heaney Saturday. Dustin May, Julio Tehran on Sunday. The ball was jumping in Anaheim as I just mentioned for this A's and Angels series 15 home runs across those three games now the problem for Anaheim here is that they've been living on the walk and Kershaw Bueller and May will not walk a lot of guys and they've been living on the long ball and it's hard to hit home runs off of Bueller and May Kershaw has had a little bit of a home run issue here recently but I worry about the Angels in this series because they're living off the walk They're not making a ton of high quality contact unless your name is Mike Trout. So the Dodgers will be pretty clear favorites in this series in all three games. I'm curious to see what happens with the line movements here if people kind of take a shot with Anaheim. But I do think that they do not match up particularly well against the three Dodgers starters in this series. I'll be back once again on Monday with a new edition of the Better's Box. I got a couple of Monday mailbag questions already. If you have some more, at Skating Tripods on Twitter, Adam at BangTheBook.com. I still don't know what I'm going to do with the full shows, with the return of those. College football completely up in the air. A lot of conferences have already canceled. I don't know if games will start here in late August or not. Doesn't seem like they will. Uh, The NFL is supposed to start September 10th. So we will get back on the beam with the full shows here at some point in time, but for right now, We'll still just keep doing this current format that we've been doing. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.